Welcome to the EdTech God Pod, your window into the world of advertising technology and the people behind it. I'm your host, EdTech God. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another fascinating episode of the EdTech God Pod. We have a very special guest in our studio, someone who has left an indelible mark on the digital advertising industry. Mike is currently the founder of AdLib. AdLib is a company that addresses the struggles marketers have to access premium DSPs. AdLib removes the barriers and complexities, allowing marketers of all sizes to easily set up and launch successful programmatic campaigns at scale across all channels and top DSPs globally. With a career spanning multiple decades, Mike has consistently demonstrated his expertise and leadership in the field, humbly starting his ad tech career at MediaPlex before moving to our industry's darling, MediaMath. Mike spent eight transformative years at MediaMath where he held multiple pivotal roles, including Vice President of Business Development, Global Vice President of Platforms, Client Success, and more. Today, we chat with Mike about his career from his early days in the industry to what he is building at AdLib and why. His journey through the industry is a testament to innovation, dedication, and the relentless pursuit of excellence in ad tech. Let's extend a warm welcome to Mike. Mike Hopman, welcome to the AdTech Godpod. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate that kind introduction. Of course, I'm, I'm super happy to have you here, Mike. I've obviously been following your journey a little bit through AdLib. I know that you've been working really hard and have been expanding quite rapidly. I, I listened to your podcast with Ari Paparo on architecture. I thought you did a great job and, and I figured it would probably be a really good time to meet the person behind the company and get a better understanding of your journey. Yeah, 100%. And appreciate you being open to having me on. I've appreciated communicating with you through the various social media channels and on Slack. And I've been looking forward to getting on the podcast with you and talking shop. Definitely. I, I love it. And I know that you've been a huge supporter. And, and, and that's one of the big reasons why you're here. And a lot of my initial guests are here. It's really kind of paying it forward to the people who, from the very beginning, supported me and supported what I'm doing. So, so thank you again for being here. Mike, how did you initially get into ad tech? Obviously, now you're a founder. You're doing a fantastic job scaling your company, but how did you initially get into it? And what does your journey to this point really look like? So we would have to rewind all the way back to about 2005, maybe 2006, out of college and working a few different roles having to do with technology and networks and IT infrastructure, if you will was really kind of searching for exactly what it is that I wanted to do was at a point in my life where I took some time off to go backpacking and do that whole, you know, finding myself in Europe experience. I did that for a couple of months uh, after my first couple of jobs after college didn't really inspire in me what I was hoping and you know, didn't really feel like that was a long-term fit for me. So I came back from that journey and Didn't really have much more clarity about what it was that I was wanting to do, but it happened to be around the same time of my sister's wedding. And at my sister's wedding, I was just partying, having a good time and talking to some people about this part of my life and what it was that I was trying to do. And I was really good at technology and really was looking for something more cutting edge. And it turns out this person worked at a company called MediaPlex. They were a well-known ad tech company, part of a solid growing company called ValueClick at that time, and they were looking for people to join their team. So got in touch with them after the wedding, managed to get an interview and 
got my first job at MediaPlex as a support analyst, answering questions about how to use the ad server for clients, just your general, general first level support. From there, grew into some other roles at MediaPlex, saw that there were some opportunities within the company to get more involved in some more of the sales process. So, you know, all along the time, just taking opportunities and asking questions and trying to see where I could take this thing. Wound up being a sales engineer slash solutions engineer at MediaPlex. A smaller team over there, probably 20 people in the New York office and was really enjoying the work, but saw that there was really some newer emerging platforms coming out in this world of the programmatic marketing and kept hearing from clients you know, who were using our ad server. Oh, hey, can you uh, can you also not only serve the ads, but can you help us buy the ads? You know, we understand there's technologies out there for media planning and media buying. And as I started hearing more about this, I started getting more and more interested in that technology. And, you know, at the same point in time was putting some feelers out across other opportunities and looking for emerging technologies that I could continue to to learn and continue to grow. So I thought maybe my future wasn't going to be at, at ValueClick for too much longer and at MediaPlex for too much longer. And, you know, I was looking for some roles. Uh, I got an email from a former colleague who had recently left MediaPlex. He had joined another company to become a sales engineer. And a recruiter had reached out to him saying they had to fill a position at this company called MediaMath. They needed a sales engineer to be the first sales engineer at MediaMath. And while my you know, colleague had just taken a role, he recommended that they speak to me because I was looking for a position. So kind of magically landed in my inbox this opportunity. And I reached out, got the interview. And after a few rounds, wound up being one of the first 100 employees at MediaMath and being the first sales engineer there, helping them sell T1, which was pretty much the first self-service DSP. So they just rolled it out. We're getting it into market, going around and pitching it to enterprise marketers. And I was in the room in pretty much every one of those conversations, driving and demonstrating the platform and really communicating and conveying how the technology solved for their business needs. You really got in there early, like under 100 employees. Yeah. Probably with the original founders, you know, onboarding initial clients or at least some of the early on clients. Yeah, it, it was super early. You know, Josie used to just walk over to my desk and ask me to come into meetings with him, you know, just ad hoc at any point in time. And I had a really good relationship with with him and Ari, Eric, Greg, the other founding members of, of MediaMath. I you know, definitely feel like it was a, had a good relationship, built out a solid relationship with them because of that, being those, there so early. For you to stick around for, I think, is it almost eight years? I mean, obviously, you, you, you experienced quite a bit of growth and you moved around quite a bit, Mike. I mean, moving from kind of a, an engineer type role to a heading up platform to, to business development. How was that experience? Because obviously, each one requires a different set of, of skills and, and knowledge and, you know, personality traits. How did it feel for you to move from, you know, engineering to client services to platform integrations to biz dev? It was super rewarding, you know, and was surrounded by these industry visionaries, people who had these amazing pedigrees 
of education and companies that they worked for. And I felt really just kind of lucky to be in the room and in the same business as a lot of them. So it, it was it was wild. And it was it was a time where it was growing. My first desk was a couch in a you know shared it, it was it was in a meeting room that was a converted into an office so it was you know, we didn't even have our own offices it was sublet a space you know a couple of desks and a few offices in another company's uh, office in the city and pretty quickly a few years later we were in for world trade so just a, that trajectory was insane and the growth yeah, that's pretty cool yeah the, the growth was 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 wild you can take credit for it all mike <laughs> it's okay you can tell everyone um, no, you I, will have, you, you for, I will not take credit for, <laughs> that, for all of that. <laughs> I mean, I think it's funny because you, you look at like obviously Josie and his involvement with Aperium, and then you look at Greg Williams over at Audigen. Audigen seems to be scaling quite a bit. I'm hearing a lot about them in market over the last six to 12 months. They just seem to continue to scale and grow and do really well. It's kind of amazing. A lot of the the original founders of, of companies, whether, you know, double click or or media math or, you know, beeswax, like the, the early founders of these companies and the early employees of these companies just come in with such a different perspective on the market. They recognize the cycles. They are able to, to, to look forward and past kind of the fluff and what is a very short-term trend and understand where the opportunity is for, for long-term trends in the industry. So I think that's one of the main reasons I wanted to talk to you, Mike, is you know, your background's amazing and, and you have a great experience at Media Math and seeing that fast growth. And then you decided to do what I think is is crazy because I'm kind of experiencing it now, which is become an entrepreneur and like launch from scratch and build something out and try to address something in market that maybe nobody else is addressing or not addressing it right. I mean, what do you see as as the biggest milestone and the biggest success, something you're really proud of that you've done from when you started in the industry that you'd like to share? So we, we've grown from four people to 14 over the past six months. And we're not just feeding myself and, and my family, but it, we're actually, I'm looking at a team and a pretty sizable group of people who depend on the business and depend on me to make smart decisions and you know, they're obviously we. I depend on them and the team. We all depend on them to do their good work. I'm really proud of that. I'm really proud that we've all pulled together and taken a really crappy situation and what happened back in June with MediaMath, and we didn't you know fold in and kind of close up shop. We actually turned that into a bigger opportunity than we ever had with the first version of AdLib, and. We've now grown that into what you know, was a pretty nice little lifestyle business to a, a real business with sizable team working for it, all joining forces. And I'm very proud of that. Yeah, I think you should be, Mike. I think, um, you know, seeing how much work goes into just being an entrepreneur is, is crazy. I've obviously seen your growth over the last couple of years. I've seen someone like Shiv, uh, you know, you have digital too. I, I've seen him just kind of, it was this guy with a great personality that knows his stuff online. He's running around and he's training people and onboarding fantastic clients. And then all of a sudden I'm hearing like, Hey, I've got X amount of staff. And I'm like, I don't know how you do it, man. It is 
a lot of work and dedication to to scale anything to where you're starting to hire teams and and starting to create those roles for people and just kind of get to the next level. So you should be proud to go from four to, I think you said 14. That's not an easy task. It's a huge accomplishment and, and I hope it continues to grow. Thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah. As a part of that, just before this call, we actually got our approval for health insurance. So we now qualify for group health insurance and we can get off of the marketplace. I consider that a pretty pretty big accomplishment and milestone as well. It's it's the little things, right? The little things that are actually big things that that make a difference. Your your legitimate company operating and like you said, supporting so many people and their livelihood. So it's it's a it's a huge accomplishment. When you talk about ad lib in particular, I read a little blurb about what it is that you guys do. What made you decide that that was the direction you were going to take AdLib in? And how do you feel you you set yourself apart in market in comparison to all the other providers? So when we first set out, that's that's me and my co-founder, Dan Bogord, who Dan and I actually, we worked together back at MediaPlex back in 2006. Our story begins there. He joined MediaMath just a year after I did in 2011. So we've worked together pretty much since 2006. And we've always kind of bridged both this technical and, and business world. He's much stronger on the tech side. And I don't mind talking to clients and doing sales that much. And so we're really a, a good it's a yin and yang situation. Um, we complement each other really well. And he's one of the most incredible developers you'll, you'll ever meet. So, you know, what we saw together when we were at MediaMath was that you had this incredible technology, massive global reach, um, incredible, sophisticated performance and uh, algorithms and all this horsepower to drive results for, for marketers. But most marketers actually really struggled to access it. It was behind a huge barrier to entry. And it wasn't only MediaMath, it's all of the enterprise DSPs. They're behind these you know, annual contracts, annual spend minimums, monthly spend minimums. The tools themselves are incredibly sophisticated and you need special teams and specialized resources to make them do what it is that you want them to do. So Dan and I saw this problem firsthand because I was leading the team that was customizing MediaMath for MediaMath marketers, uh, most sophisticated clients and allowing it to solve edge cases, a lot of automation, a lot of customization of, of UIs and workflows. And Dan was overseeing development of MediaMath's UI and APIs at his last role there. So we together kind of saw you know, the world of what was, was possible, the world of what was possible outside of MediaMath. If, you know, if, if we could spin out, maybe there was an opportunity to just make this platform more accessible and more usable to the masses if we were to just you know, build a really easy to use UI or like a much easier to use UI, um, make it a self-service sign up, allow you to put a credit card in there and do use Stripe for auto billing. So we thought we could do it. We were a bit naive. <laughs> um, you know, obviously, every entrepreneur s says that looking back, but we, we just wanted to try something. So we approached Joe and we approached the founders who we were very, you know, we had a solid relationship with pitch them on this idea, raise a tiny bit of seed funding to pay for some legal bills. And we set off to do that. And we just worked at night. We moonlit. You know, we did a lot of, I you know, founded the company f in March of 2014. And my last day at MediaMath was at the end of 2018. 
So it wasn't overnight. You know, we were going to be, there were a couple of iterations of what Applib was before it became you know, this easy to use DSP. And it took quite a long time to kind of build our way out of, you know, MediaMath and, and MediaMath was incredible partner to us, an incredible home to us. And they you know, incubated us and allowed us to create and, and build this technology. So you know, super grateful you know, forever to, to, to Joe and Ari and Eric and you know, Greg and all the rest of the team that was there to support us in those times. Amazing. It's crazy to see, you know, your post. And, and by the time this is released, it'll be a few couple weeks, but you know, you posted, you know, logged into media math for the first time in six months. It's kind of surreal that like the, the company that, that was really an industry like staple, like if you didn't know who media math was, like you, you, you literally didn't work in this industry. Like you have, you shouldn't be working in ad tech if you don't know who media math is. So hearing their, their demise last year, and then all of a sudden, you know, rising from the ashes through, you know, whatever project Phoenix, it's pretty incredible to see them bounce back. And I think it's, it's great that you're, you know, logged in and, and you're, you're testing them out and, and checking out their, the platform now through Infilion. But like, what direction do you see this market heading in as, you know, we are facing some headwinds. We, we do see a lot of political spend that's going to flow this year, which hopefully will be a saving grace. But what direction do you see your business or the industry that you're focused on in particular heading in, in the next, you know, six to, to 12 months? Yeah, um, it, it is. It is awesome and great you know, to see that a lot of people got jobs back and that the technology is has found a new home and it has you know currency and value still in in the in the industry and you know it's worked on that for a long time worked on the platform for a long time Dan did as well so to see that it still has utility out there is is, is really heartwarming logging back in for the first time was was definitely a trip down memory lane you know even though we've since connected with a host of other DSPs um you know it's it's always good to be is you know does does feel very familiar and excited to see what we're able to do now that we're connected back with them. They have some really interesting capabilities now together with Infilion that we're excited to test out a lot some some interesting CTV creative capabilities, foot traffic measurement, uh, kind of location awareness tools that we haven't quite found a replacement for since we've lost access to the platform. So excited to get that back up and running. You know, in general, the industry, you know, and our clients, whatever, we're seeing a lot of restructuring and a lot of companies that are trying to figure out ways to lower their labor costs, whether that be on the ad sales side of the house or in the ad ops side of the house or anywhere in between, you know, trying to use AI maybe in ways that it is not ready to be used just yet. So while well, I do think there's opportunities and there's a lot of value that AI is going to bring to the ecosystem, I'm interested to see how it plays out in 2024. I, I don't know if it's going to be exactly how we think it's going to be. So um, there's a lot of fragmentation that marketers are facing. You know, One of the trends and one of the things that marketers are dealing with right now is Chrome and how big of an impact is the fact that cookies are going away going to have on my campaigns? What impact is it going to have on my retargeting 
audiences and my conversion and attribution tracking. So we think we actually have a pretty interesting approach to that in that it's going to be a bit of a moving target. And for marketers to have a single platform in which they can have their audiences uh, manage and distribute it across to multiple DSPs, which is AdLib, and then testing out budgets across multiple DSPs as you know, it goes from 1% to 5% to 10%. Having a platform that can then dynamically allocate budget to the platform or platforms that can still effectively reach those audiences and supplement that with technologies like LiveRamp and SEMcasting and other platforms that are going to help make sure that all of these channels continue to be addressable in future-proof ways. We think we're pretty uniquely positioned there to be a single point of entry to make sure that budgets are, are still able to be spent and can very fluidly be allocated to those platforms where they can be spent. Awesome. Thank you for that. Because I didn't know what you guys did in, in, in detail. I've obviously looked at some of your your posts and I browsed your website mostly today. So I think understanding the post-cookie world and being able to target across various platforms brings a lot of value and, and kind of breaks down those those limitations and being able to find and target the right audience that a, a marketer is seeking. Mike, I mean, this this industry is as they say on chat GPT, constantly evolving. My question to you is, how do you keep in the know of, of what's happening? It seems like people have all various types of ways to do it. I'm, I'm really curious from your perspective, maybe more of an engineering side or more of a product side of things. How do you just keep up to date with everything that's going on so that your product can address the constant changes? Communities. Social communities are really the only channel that I'm engaged with. Don't do a ton of newsletter reading. Or I do, there are some newsletters, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty particular about the ones that I do read. But generally, just remaining active on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on Slack channels, where people are open and collaborative has been a huge game changer. You could just reach out to pretty much any founder. You could reach out to any buddy out there or just reach out to a, a, a channel, an open channel and ask a question. And people are wanting to help. It's amazing. It's something that the industry is is definitely heading towards is more collaboration. I think there's a genuine desire to partner and create opportunities together. And it's, that's manifested definitely in the EdTechGot community. So a lot of learning is to be had there. And I've definitely found that to be a really valuable resource for learning, for introductions, for referrals. So just just being out there and and and, and talking. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of crazy what I thought was, you know, hey, this could be cool if there was a hundred people in there. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, this could be really cool if I ever hit five hundred. Oh, holy crap! There's twenty five hundred people in here. Yeah, um, it's wild. And like fifteen thousand messages or something absurd. And I'm like, this is nuts. So I'm I'm happy you find it valuable. I find it valuable. Um, I I really take a look at it, you know, daily. And I don't personally ask questions, but I'm definitely snooping around a lot and and reading the the content and the 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 posts that people put in there. But I'm really glad that you find it valuable. That's kind of the purpose and, and on the business development side and just relationship building, 
you know, even with, with CES behind us, I know that it was pretty active going into CES and now with IEBALM, you know, there's a channel there now and people, people have been constantly messaging in there and, and trying to figure out meeting spots, people they can meet with and kind of sharing insight. And I'm glad it is something you value. I value it. Um, I just, I had no expectation of this ever reaching this point. So thank you for, for, for saying you like it. Thank you for building it. It's not me. It's Slack. I just created the account <laughs> name. Um, so thank you, Slack. Um, also, so anyone from Slack listening, I need a discount. Can't pay $15,000 a month. Yeah, I noticed it's asking for an upgrade. Yeah, they want fifteen grand. Uh, so I I don't know. I'm going to have to raise the uh, the Slack round alone will will mm-hmm. will kill me. But it's good so far. I think even on the basic membership, it's actually just doing exactly what I needed to do, but I'd love for it to have some of those uh, premium features, but it's too expensive for me to do today. But you know, you never know, maybe six, 12 months from now, I will cough up the money. Yeah. Well, I I think Um, there's a lot of value that you're bringing to the community and you can continue to bring to the community. And there's definitely some ways to create some, some ways to monetize it and maybe get some, some add-ons for what people have access to, to fund some things like this. So Happy to talk yep. about that another time. Definitely. And Mike, and that kind of brings us to the end of our chat. And I, I really appreciate you being here. And I'm, I love to hear your success story at AdLib. I really appreciate you coming onto the podcast, Mike. And, and, and I hope to continue to talk to you um, on X or LinkedIn. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Of course. Anytime. I'll speak to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the AdTech Godpod, a podcast for the people about the people that make AdTech great. Stay connected with me for more insights, trends, and interviews in the realm of ad tech. Don't miss out on our latest updates. So follow me on X, Instagram, and connect with me on LinkedIn. Don't forget, ATG Slack community has insights, networking opportunities, and jobs. Keep the conversation going and stay at the forefront of ad tech innovation.